1: What's going on guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, May 18th, 2023. I am Graham G. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. Another big week this week, a lot like last week, in that we have another exclusive interview featuring Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Texas Rattlesnake himself, uh, making his way back to WrestleRant Radio for the first time in about two years. He was on the show about two and a half years ago talking the second season of Straight Up Steve Austin. Another show to promote this time. This time, Stone Cold Takes on America on a a Episodes have been airing now for the last couple of weeks. Uh, really good show. Steve talks all about that. The WrestleMania stuff and so much more. I mean, almost coming back for WrestleMania 39. The His line of beer and, and just so much more. Really cool, fun conversation with the Texas Rattlesnake. Uh, one of my favorite interviews, honestly, in recent memory. It's been available now on my YouTube channel uh, over on youtube.com backslash WrestleRant in video form for the last couple of weeks, and an article form over on Bleacher Report. So for all the interviews first, check those uh, places out before checking out the audio here on the show, but check out the audio here on the show as well. Um, the video is already up on the YouTube channel and an article form on Bleacher Report, so check those out when you get a chance. On the back half of the show, more analysis of AEW and WWE, all the latest from the week, and wrestling with Mr. Marceau. New episodes every single week on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss new episode every single Thursday. With that being said, enjoy my exclusive interview with the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Graham G. Math is your BleachReport.com. Today we're talking to WWE Hall of Famer Stone Cold Steve Austin, head of the upcoming premiere of Stone Cold Takes on America, starting Sunday, April 30th on a and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, as part of Superstar Sundays. Steve, very honored to be talking to you today. How are you, sir?
0: Man, I'm doing good. I'm drinking coffee, getting ready to uh, crank out another day, and have an epic day of racing, and life is good.
1: That's awesome, man. I mean, I assume just sitting here talking about the show is a little bit easier than going out there and doing the bowling and the flight simulators and everything that we saw you take part in the show, right?
0: Well, and those are some of the indoor activities we got we got a chance to do. That flight simulator was amazing. That was a heck of an experience. Uh bowling with the seniors was probably one of my favorite segments that we did. Uh because with respect to a lot of the outdoor stuff, man, when when Annie finally greenlit this show when we got everything together and started getting out there and filming. Well, first of all, they gave us some green light, and my wife and I said, well, surely they're going to push till spring, like right now would be a great time to start shooting, the, the type of show that we made, and it was in the dead of winter, so we got our butts kicked a couple of times, so I, I welcomed the indoor segments. some of the fishy out-of-water stuff was extremely painful, but in the totality of everything, uh, by the time, you know, I got my ideas in there, they had their ideas, we did a lot of outdoor activity stuff, and some, some cool adrenaline-based stuff as well, so... I had a blast, and I'm appreciative for the opportunity.
1: Of everything you did, what surprised you the most?
0: I I, I don't know if this was a surprise. Well, it was a surprise because my call time was 12.45, Mm -hmm. you know, in the morning, and to to go to a weather station at 2.15 a.m. to get on the weather with a a young lady named Madison McKay and, and do the weather report and man, she started showing me how she breaks down the weather. She was taking a paragraph like this and make it into pertinent information about like that, just by looking at it. So she psyched, She wasn't trying to psych me out, but I got so psyched out by what she was doing. I thought I had to perform at that level. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time. And dude, I've been on live PV for years and I thrive in that environment. But I was figuring, hey man, it's a real snowstorm. I've got to get these people to work safely. And I froze up on live TV. I think it was the worst live television performance I've ever had. So that <laughs> surprised me, and the, with the fact I didn't know about the call time either. But yeah. that that was a rough day at the office. Uh, and, and, and I tell you what, I got a chance to do a lot of driving in this show. And when you put professional like I'm, I come from the pro wrestling world, right? So still, uh, if you if you take uh, wrestling and you put pro in front of it, that means you you're going to be very good at it. A lot of the pros that I got a chance to hang out with, like with respect to driving or whatever skill that they were good at, they were professionals, man, I'm coming into, into their world, trying to do something I've always wanted to do, but they're so far head and shoulders above what, what you can do because they have the reps, that, you know, they, it's, it's like at the end of my, career, my, my wrestling career, I was way better than when I started. Mm-hmm. So, Hanging out with a bunch of pros, seeing at the level which things can operate was a real mind bender for me in a lot of ways, especially with some of the high speed uh, stuff we were doing in the
1: automobile world. With some of the driving stuff, I know as well, you've already had experience with that on the Straight Up Steve Austin show a couple of years ago. You've kind of mixed it up with several people, talking to them there. So it's a bit of an overlap. Going into that sort of stuff, doing shows like that, and all the other shows, obviously, you've had over the course of your career outside of the in-ring stuff. Did that kind of lend you some experience and give you some familiarity with what you were about to do with this show, or was it, were you going in completely blind?
0: Well, I, I can't say it was completely blind because, you know, I had my ideas, network, I had theirs. But this was, you know, getting a chance to do some of the things that I've never gotten a chance to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, and, and shooting a season one, because we didn't shoot a pilot. And so, first of all, it was a concept. And it got yep. greenlit. And so, really, I look at season one, because if you're not doing a pilot, you're throwing something at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think about midway, two thirds of the way through the show, we saw what was sticking and what was running off, and what we needed to focus on. So there was there was a lot of running and gunning and planning on the fly because, like I said, this when when this show got greenlit, it, it was in real rapid fire fashion. So man, the people behind the scenes were really trying to do a lot of homework and just trying to get stuff booked. You know, and people were were very accommodating uh, because a lot, a lot of things that we did. They were like, eh, but when they said, "Hey, this is Stone Cold Steve Austin," people said, "Oh, well then, come on." Yeah. So the the, the name uh, or or the 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 following or whatever helped us, you know, break through a lot of barriers to get a lot of things booked. But dude, it, it was it was chaotic at times. It was it was steady at times, and sometimes it was a head scratcher. And so, and, and a lot of times, I mean, it, it, we were laughing our asses off. So uh, through it all, we got what we got
1: of everything that you've talked about so far and everything that we've seen in the trailer and the show that we're going to be seeing up coming up this season, I think I'm looking forward to that weather episode you mentioned the most as well as the bowling episode, I think, especially if the, the botch, as we want to call it, is on the episode, which I'm sure it's included. Uh, can you talk about that a bit more as far as how it compares to, you talk about, like, you know, cutting promos. You're one of the best talkers of all time, Steve. Like, how it compares to that and how it might be, compl- like, if you, do you go into it thinking, I can memorize a promo, I can go off ad, like, how does it compare to that sort of thing?
0: Well, it was, a, it was a whole different thing because when I was watching that girl get ready to do the weather,
1: yeah.
0: I thought I had to do as good a job as she was doing. Because, yeah. you know, and, and, again, I'm not relying on, hey, I'll just go out there and be Stone Cold. I'm being Steve Austin. I didn't have that protective shield because I could have went out there, hey, if you want to get the weather report, give me a hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, Whatever is live, live television. But I psyched myself up to, or psyched myself out, and I got in my head – and I, I thought I needed to be as good as her, and there's no way I was going to be. And and But I, I will give him you know, WWE. But one of the good things about WWE is when you go there as a talent, man, you've you, you got to learn how to work because mm-hmm. they've got some of the best workers in the world. But they're so good at teaching you how to handle different situations on live TV with a mic. Uh, that was one of the times, one of the rare times. And, and I consider I, – I think I failed that day. At the weather station. And with all my skills, I just got in my head and work as we would say in business, worked my way, worked myself into a shoe.
1: Mm-hmm. And listen, th- those are the best learning experiences, too. You got to go on TV and fail. I mean, the same thing goes for any on air talent, superstars, whatever, you know?
0: Oh, and I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you what I learned from that. I'll never do it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You did it for the show. That's all that matters. And and you you talk about filming for the show throughout the winter season and not really so much in the spring when the weather is nicer now and whatnot. Has this taken up a majority of your time in the last year? Because I know fans were wondering why we didn't see you at Raw 30 a couple months ago earlier this year, the podcast and stuff like that on the network. Has this taken up a majority of your time?
0: Yeah, I did. There was an internal stop down uh, with, with stuff that was out of our control, yep. so we were down for a little over a month. Which was nothing related to us. There was just a stop down. So originally, the show was going to take, I think, give or take three months to shoot two, wow. but it took close to five. Wow. So yeah, man, it, it, it chewed up a lot of time. And uh, you know, again, the, the weather threw some monkey wrenches at us too. But it, it lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. So. Yeah, man. I mean, from just, you know, interviewing people uh, for the podcast, uh, as far as people say, hey, man, why did you do Mania? You know, they asked me to be a part of it. But as I told, I'm telling everybody today, if they asked Mm -hmm. me, I didn't know what my life was going to look like until I finished filming the show. And, you know, I finished filming the show about four days before WrestleMania. And I drove every single mile in that RV. I took dumbbells with me on the road, a sandbag, and a kettlebell. And that's how I got my workouts in. And I was in decent shape for the show. Yeah. The funny thing was, when they greenlit the show, uh, you know, when I started getting ready, I hired a nutrition coach. I got down to 7% body fat. I got in the best shape I'd ever been in. Wow. And then it didn't pay off because the the, the whole time, you know, we're in 10-degree weather. Yeah. And I got about 10 layers on and a big car. <laughs> Yeah, So I got in the shape of my lifetime to be all covered up. So if it goes into uh, another uh, season or whatever, uh, it'll be in warm weather and I'll be jacked.
1: And it'll be it'll better pay off. Those are like the times when you get into the best shape of your life. Not that I would know from experience, but it seems like talking to a lot of people. It's in those periods. We don't even get to see you in the best shape of your life because this sort of stuff happens. Circumstances are just what they are. So... It is what it is, but well, I, here's an
0: insider tip, you know, like 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 right now, tomorrow they'll send a the crew as they're putting these shows together, they'll yeah. send it tomorrow and we'll do interviews in my shop. And so just just watch the changes in in, in the in the, the facial definition. Because <laughs> I told my wife, I said, God dang, uh, I'm in the beer business. So yeah, of course I said I said, when, when I get dude, I drink like two beers every Friday night during the duration of the film of the show. Mm-hmm which is a little behind schedule for me. So I loaded up on some margaritas and beers. And so I I was at 7%. I'm probably at 11 now. Mm -hmm. Still in decent shape. But you you might see some difference in the facial structure uh, in the shop (laughs) interviews.
1: We're looking forward to it. Well, on that note, actually, I'm from Connecticut. We don't have the beer too much over here, but someone that I know was in the area, I think in Mass, maybe, is where <laughs> they sell the IPA. So <laughs> someone brought it on over, gave me a six pack. I'm not a drinker myself. I'm strongly considering it, but I did give it to some family friends. They wanted me to tell you they love the beer. So I just wanted to pass the message along.
0: Hey, man, I appreciate that uh, because man. When I got together with Elskina Brewing Company back in the day, that that is me all over that beer. That's me, the tasting beer with Rob, the owner, uh, and telling what I liked in a beer. And now we're we're going on, I think about this is our eighth year. We started in 15. It's now 23, a little over eight years in business. That beer was never designed to leave that brewery. We're now in about 25 states. We're in Japan. We launched a lager due to popular demand. We just came out with a double IPA. Uh, And so that... I don't do that as a vanity project. Yeah. I don't do that because, you know, I'm trying to make a ton of money, you know, in, in the beer business. I, I, that's a passion project. Do I want to make money off of it? Yes. But <laughs> that, that that beer is, uh, is all me and all else Gundo. So I'm proud of that beer. And if they like that beer, they know a good IPA.
1: I was going to say everyone that I've recommended it to has said it's a good beer. Like they're not just drinking it because it's a stone cold beer. No, they're drinking it because it's an actual good beer, you know, and that's a, that, that's a good thing to have.
0: Well, when we brewed that beer, you know, uh, I, I, I helped brew that batch a month later when it got ready, I went back to the uh, brewery and I was like, man, I was nervous. I'm like, this could take seven or eight months, seven mm-hmm. eight, eight, eight times to get this formula right. And I'll never forget, man. We poured those first glasses, me and Rob and some of the guys, I picked a sip of that beer. And I said, man, that's a good effing beer. And I didn't, (laughs) I said that word. I said, hang on. I took another sip. I said, that's a good effing beer. And I said, hey, man, let me sleep on it. And uh, the next day I called Rob back and I said, hey, man, when I got home, I was like, what can we do to make that beer better? And I was like, dude, there's a lot of stuff you can do to make it worse. I called him and said, hey, man, Rob, I want to run with that formula. And he goes, Steve. I'm glad you said that because if you weren't going to use it, I was. And we we stuck with that formula. I helped create it based on my taste profile, so it's built for me. So if anybody's digging it, uh, you know I'm 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 proud of it. You know we've turned a lot of you know light beer drinkers, regular beer drinkers, into IPA heads, because mm-hmm. and, and that, that's why we came out with the lager for, for popular demand. But I digress. I'm proud of the beer, and I'm glad you, your folks liked it.
1: No, most definitely. I mean, you've had that going for almost a decade now. Obviously, all these shows and podcasts. We saw you back in the ring. Obviously, last year at Mania, I was at that show. I've never seen you compete live before, so that was incredible. And you talk about obviously them wanting you for WrestleMania. We've heard all the rumors. You've talked at nauseum about it over the last couple weeks. Obviously, today in all these interviews, when you say that they wanted you for that show, like what was it? Can can you specify exactly what they wanted you for? Whether it was like an appearance, which which we've seen you in before at Mania, or like a match? Was there any like concrete ideas at all?
0: Yeah, concrete idea was a match.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a match. with one of the top guys in the business. Period. So uh, I let everybody speculate about that, but yeah, it, it was a match, and I just didn't think I could get. I didn't think I could get ready for it in time because I didn't know my schedule, which is what I told them. You know, I don't know what my life looks like until I finish this show. Mm-hmm. There's no way I got away. Like you said, you was in Dallas. Man, it was a great show. Uh, that was a great crowd, and they welcomed me with, with open arms. That was a hell of a pop. Uh, I, I did the best I could in short uh, notice to get ready for KO, and I barely did anything. This would have been a real competitive match. And i tell you what, man, those superstars that are out there on the road, beating it every day, there's a different kind of shape between what I was trying to do. I, I was doing Becky Lynch's comeback workout. I was doing... Daniel Bryan's workout, I did Edge's workout, and then I then I invented my own. But if you don't have a ring, you Kevin Owens, uh, for whatever people think about him, first of all, he's an amazing worker. He's an amazing talker, and he's in amazing shape. Mm-hmm. I, I was always I, I was constantly trying to monitor my systems out there because ring shape is a whole different thing that you can do in a gym. And, and one other thing I tell you, I, it was so fun to be out there with KO because I hadn't thought of working a bunch of nineteen years.
1: Yeah. Killing him. I was
0: knocking his head off. (laughs) I was thinking, in the business, when you start teeing off on a guy, you know, finally after a guy's had so many of them, they send back what is called a receipt. Yeah. That means, hey, man, you're killing me. He never sent back a receipt. And I laughed about it when we were talking, you know, backstage after the match, but I was proud to go out there with Kevin Owens and put on the show that we
1: did. Well, it's safe to say, I guess, compared to five years ago, five, ten years ago, when you would say, listen, I'm done, I'm retired, after that match last year, the door could still be open if the offer was right, if the opportunity, if all the stars align, I guess, so to speak, it's more of a wait-and-see approach at this point, right, or no?
0: Oh, uh, 100%. And I said that many years ago. I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not ever going to wrestle again. But I said, but if the stars ever align, mm-hmm. they did, because I turned, uh, when they when they approached me about working with Kevin uh, at 38. I turned them down several times until we came up with that idea. And mm-hmm. I said, yes, so we went out and did it. So could, could it still happen? Yeah, it could still happen. Am I lobbying for it? Am I trying to get anybody to talk about it? No, I mm-hmm. am not. But you asked me a question, and that's – if you ever ask me a question, I'm going to give you the honest answer.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, you talk about Kevin Owens. It's cool to see, like, so many different talents right now in WWE in the last couple of years, but especially right now, have different – like, elements of you, of Stone Cold Steve Austin in them, which is cool to see. Kevin Owens being one of them, especially on the mic, what we see in the ring from him, you know, aside from the stunner stuff, that's an obvious comparison. Uh, one name that comes to mind for me, and I talked to him about this a couple of months ago, is L.A. Knight. Eli Drake, obviously, I know you've had him on your podcast before. He's a great dude. He's got the yeah thing going on right now. Again, obvious similarities with the what stuff. I just want to get your thoughts on him, and again, maybe not a match down the road, but just your thoughts on L.A. Knight and, and something doing something with him down the road.
0: Man, I got a text message from him a while back. And I'm so bad about returning calls. My wife gets on me all the time. I got a lot of heat. <laughs> but he, he, I, I did talk to him before uh, that that one text, and I said, "Hey man, just make sure your cardio is supreme." And I said, "Just go do you." And so that guy can talk a blue streak. He's a great worker. He's got a good look. He's got good energy. So I think he's doing great. I think I think he can ascend to a higher level, and I think he will.
1: So I think the guy's doing awesome. He just arrived in the main roster about a year ago, but he's already gotten over really well. The talent speaks for itself. And like I said, the obvious comparison there for a lot of people, the yeah thing that he does, the what chance and stuff like that, it's been 20 years, Steve. Your thoughts on the what chance? Do you think it's ever going to die down? What's going on there?
0: If it if it ever dies down, it, it does. I'm doing I'm <laughs> we're really sad, really sad because there's a, there, there's been many people who have learned how to work that out of the out of the crowd and and it's just not give them that 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 pause and the cadence to let yep. them get in because you can work them and, and I think it's all I think it's a challenge for talent to overcome and to defeat. So I think I think it's kind of like a goal. I mean like hey if you're gonna go out there and deliver this serious promo and, and also due to the due to the nature of a promo, whether you put in that cadence or not, if people are riveted to what you're trying to say and they're truly digging you, they're they're not gonna say that what chant. Sometimes you are done it just to, F with, just to F with you. So it, it's, it's, it's it's a barometer. It's a way to read the crowd. And, and what I'm saying, hey, if they, if they say what, they don't care about somebody. No, I'm not saying that. It just depends on what crowd you get and what's the mentality of the superstar out there, how they will make that work for, against, or just snuff it out.
1: And, of course, Steve, the last question for you, kind of going off that, with the current talent on today's WWE roster, all the endeavors that you took part in as part of this show, which we're very excited to see on this season, who do you think either from the past, present, whatever, from the wrestling roster you think would match up well with a flight simulator or with bowling? Whose talents do you think would kind of mesh well in that world?
0: (laughs) Okay, I I just got to give you one, Kurt Henning. They call him Mr. Perfect. <laughs> that's it's a good answer. When they brought him in and he'd throw that football like 200 yards and then he'd go down and catch his own pass. Yep. Uh, so uh, down uh, in that vein, I would have to say Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning.
1: Listen, he excelled at everything he did, Steve. I think that's the uh, perfect. That's literally figuratively and quite literally the perfect answer. I don't think you can get any better than that.
0: Yeah, he, he was such a great talent. I'm, I, I, I miss him. So God rest his soul. But yeah, he was amazing. And here, here's a Curt uh, Henning story real quick before I leave. Mm-hmm. I was in WCW at the time. He was in WWF. And when I came into WWF, he, he immediately took me, my first day at television, he took me into the, into the production truck and introduced me to Kevin Dunn. And he goes, hey, Steve, this is a guy you really need to know. He can help you out. And he didn't have to do that. He just did it out of the goodness of his heart. But anyway, the story was, if you ever pass by Kurt Henning at an airport, because we always crossed each other's paths because we always travel so much, mm-hmm. but I was WCW based out of Atlanta. He was based out of Stanford. He's from Minnesota. So the deal was, if you ever passed Kurt Henning, his gimmick was to do a shot of Jack Daniels, gargle it and swallow it. So if he saw you, he pointed at the bar, you went to the bar, <laughs> bar to the border, and you had to catch a flight. Yeah. Take the shot of Jack, gargle it, he'd pay up, and then you'd go a bunch of separate ways. But it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like an honor or a privilege to gargle a shot of Jack with card hitting when you passed him in the airport. And that was a thing back in the day. <laughs>
1: that's fantastic no matter what time of
0: the day it was
1: yeah no I'm sure it is that that story definitely checks out with all the stories that I've heard about Kern Henning. I think that yeah. it definitely would certainly make sense but in that same way Steve much an honor to speak with you to hear today about Stone Cold taking on America like I said premiering on A&E on April 30th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time as part of Superstar Sundays Steve I told you this a couple of years ago when we spoke the last night for Straight of Steve Austin but every time I say goodbye to someone now because I've been a loyal listener of Steve Austin Unleashed for the last 10 years I always say I'll catch your ass down the road so I gotta thank you for that and it's like i know you said you came from your brother you, you say it all the yeah. time and stuff like that so i always attribute it to you because you're the first person i think of when i said because i was listening to your podcast
0: hey i appreciate it you know what i've been i've been thinking about kicking it back up i stopped you know kind of a couple of years ago when covid hit yeah you know, yeah yeah i stopped doing in person thing whatever uh so i ever done, and i'm inspired just to strike it back up but more, just more to talk about uh what i'm doing in my life so much than to be uh you know, uh, guest driven. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, man, you got to do a lot of research. You can try to do, you know, any kind of respect towards your guests, you mm-hmm. can't you know, change them. So if I can just do it at a BS level and tell a few stories, if that's enough to rope people in, because you said that I might just do it just because it give me something
1: to do. Awesome, man. Well, I look forward to it. Even if it's just a fly wrestling, a fly situation, you know, <laughs> just doing BS stuff like that. Those are the best shows. Dude, that was, I was, that
0: was one of—I never listen to my shows because I don't like to let the sound of my voice. I'm very hard on myself when I watch the, the edits of the show because mm-hmm. I can't watch myself either. But I listened to that show probably five times because that was a shoot story. No service, no nothing. Yeah. I saw that fly and I said, "God dang, he's gonna land on a microphone!" And then I called the match. So that that was that was. I don't care who you are. That was a stroke of genius right there.
1: It definitely was some real gems in there from the last ten years. I look forward to it. Maybe down the road we'll see. But in the meantime, like I said, Superstar Sundays. We got Stone Cold taking on America coming soon to A and E. Steve, like I said, much an honor to speak with you today. I appreciate the time, and I'll catch your ass down the road, Steve. Thank I'll you so you ass much.
0: Down the road too. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Take care. Another awesome chat with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like I said, our first interview about two years ago also aired that here on the show at the time. It was a lot of fun. I thought this was even better. We were able to talk over Zoom this time and not just over the phone. So it was really cool to connect with the Texas Rattlesnake. And like I said earlier, you can check out the article version of that interview over on Bleach Report from a couple of weeks ago. As well as the video version over on my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Uh, So much to discuss this week from WWE, AEW, no one better to help me break it all down than Mr. Marceau himself. RJ, brother, how you doing?
2: I'm I'm surviving right now.
1: (laughs) That's the mantra, I think, for this week. We'll get into it. A lot to talk about, like I said, between AEW and WWE. Um, We have an update on Collision being announced on Wednesday, a CM Punk update, not a positive one. I feel like we talk about this every week, as everyone does. We won't spend too much time on it, because, you know, he's... He's upset that people are talking about it, even though he's the center of attention here, and it sounds like the reasons of why he's not back right now are his own fault, so we'll get into that soon enough, and that's coming from a Punk fan myself. Uh, We'll also review Raw and talk about some new matches made official for Night of Champions coming up next weekend, so we have a very busy weekend next weekend, Mr. Marceau. Uh, We have Double or Nothing on Sunday, one of AEW's seemingly premier pay-per-views, you know, despite the tickets not selling well so far, uh, maybe it does better between now and then, but... Doesn't feel like it right now, let's put it that way. I am looking forward to the show. Doesn't feel like a major deal. Um, more important than Battleground, which we'll very likely be at next Sunday in Lowell, just because it's close. If it wasn't close, obviously I would not be choosing NXT over fucking Double or Nothing, but I enjoy Lowell, I enjoyed that arena, I was there for Ring of Honor last year. It's not the Memorial Auditorium, unfortunately. We will not find Shawn Michaels' smile... Although that would be fitting considering Shawn Michaels now runs NXT. Uh, but it is at another arena in Lowell next weekend. But uh, probably the biggest pay-per-view of the weekend, which is shaping up to a pre- to be a pretty strong card. Pretty strong show. That being Night of Champions on Saturday from WWE. The finals of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. An update on that from last week. Who advanced? Who's in the finals from Raw and SmackDown? An undisputed WWE tag team title defense announced last week on SmackDown. Not exactly what I was expecting from Roman Reigns uh, going into Night of Champions. We'll talk about that as well. But I do got to mention this right off the bat, Mr. Marceau. Uh, Quick thoughts on this. Obviously, I did not grow up in the era, but even I can recognize the influence that superstar Billy Graham had on the wrestling industry passing away yesterday. I believe it's 79. I think he was going to turn 80 in a couple of weeks next month, whatever it might have been. I know he's been dealing with a lot of health issues lately. And in the last couple of years, which I brought up on Twitter late last night, definitely a polarizing, controversial figure with some of the stuff that he has said. I think he was under a Legends deal before he passed away with WWE. Despite some of the stuff he has said about the McMahon family and the company and how awful they are, (laughs) they gave him a Legends deal anyway, which is just the wrestling business in a nutshell, among many other vile things he has said about Jericho. I'm not saying that's his legacy, but it has to be acknowledged. Um, But overall, though, you can't talk about some of the greatest... I mean, no pun intended, superstars in WWE history, without mentioning Billy Graham. Between the look, the mic skills, in-ring ability, everything else, one of the, I don't want to say founding fathers, but a real influential figure from those early days of WWE, specifically in the 80s. Um, And a lot of superstars today kind of carry the same. I mean, MJF being one of them, personally, uh, I could just see that similarity there. That have taken their shtick or had their shtick inspired by... Billy Graham so uh wanted to kick off the show with that and just get any thoughts that you have on the passing of uh the superstar
2: yeah I mean obviously I didn't see much of his work was mostly in the 80s and even the mid late 70s so but yeah I mean I I remember he was inducted in the hall of fame I think 2004 uh so a couple years after I started watching uh obviously I've heard people in the past like Triple H looked up big to to Billy Graham I think he did did he get inducted by Billy uh Triple H
1: Ah, uh, he may have been. I honestly don't remember his Hall of Fame speech. I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I
2: think honestly, I think it was. I know I've seen documentaries before. That Triple H like talked about how he was like very influential Billy Graham. So oh, interesting. Definitely, like I said, I think other guys as well, but definitely uh, a legend in the mid '80s to late '70s. So definitely sad to see him go.
1: Yeah. No, that was uh not. Like I said, overly surprising. He's been sick for a while, but still the announcement came last night during Dynamite. Uh, definitely a notable loss in the wrestling world, and, uh, you know, condolences, thoughts, and all that other sort of stuff to family, friends, fans, stuff like that. So uh, a notable passing in the wrestling world this week. Um, but yesterday was a very eventful day, beyond just that happening on Wednesday night. The uh, A few different things happening. We'll talk about AEW first. Uh, Dynamite, I thought, was an overall good show. I enjoyed the show. We won't really talk about Dynamite itself specifically. We'll get to that a little bit later on, but... We have to talk about what came first for AEW earlier on in the day. They had the uh, WMD, I think. I'm thinking of Weapon of Mass Destruction. WBD. WBD, WBD, my apologies. I know Big Show used to call his finisher the WMD, the Weapon of Mass Destruction. That's what I was thinking of. So WMB or DB?
2: WBD, Warner Brothers Discovery.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Um, They had their upfronts yesterday. The big announcement, which we all expect that we... You know, touched upon it last week. The announcement of Collision coming to TNT. We were wondering last week what network. It's going to be on TNT on Saturday nights from 8 to 10 p.m., which we already expected, starting Saturday, June 17th, and almost exactly one month, exactly one month from yesterday, actually, from May 17th to June 17th. uh, We found out the, I don't want to say roster, uh, but they put out a poster for the show. First of all, I like the logo a lot. I know it's inspired by Nitro, Tony Khan's a big WCW fan. You know, that's not overly surprising. Um, I think the logo looks fucking cool. So, we still don't know. I've heard conflicting reports from many different people. All credible sources. But I've heard a lot of different things and read a lot of different things about, like, are they doing a hard brand split, soft brand split? We really don't know until we know, until it happens, really. But looking at the poster, they have Samoa Joe on here, Thunder Rosa, who's currently out due to injury, and apparently won't be back anytime soon, per reports, Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy, MJF, Andrade El Idolo, the Tag Team Champions FTR, Miro, House of Black as well. So I imagine there's going to be more people on the show. Those are the uh, most notable names. Hopefully there's more stars beyond just those people. We can only put so many people on a poster. Um, From what I understand, as we mentioned earlier before we hit record here, I think champions are exempt, quote-unquote. I mean, they're not doing a draft, I don't think. I think people will just appear on the show and they're there. It's not like they're being drafted to one show or the other. Um, Champions can float between the two shows. That makes sense. They have a lot of fucking titles. Do not introduce more championships. That is my number one thing, I will say, right off the fucking bat. I'm fine with them doing another show now that Dark's no longer a thing. It sounds like Rampage will will become what Dark used to be, which is... I mean, it basically already is, so no surprise there. Rampage is a complete waste of time. But you have Dynamite and you have Collision now, hopefully on equal footing. Now, Rampage, or rather Collision, is going to be on a night where there's going to be a lot of preemptions and just no one's really home to watch the show. I'm very curious what the ratings will end up being compared to Dynamite. Probably, definitely lower. I'm just curious how much lower and for how long as well. Like, if the ratings are consistently high for a few weeks, I mean, I know the first episode's going to do really well, but beyond that, how strong will the ratings be for this show and how importantly will they take this how seriously will they take this show so I mentioned a lot there Mr. Marceau I just want to get your initial thoughts on the announcement of Collision yesterday and some of the stars that appear to be a part of it
2: yeah I think obviously we we, we saw the rumors and when we saw the upfronts yesterday from WBD uh, we saw the Collision I think so I think the logo's cool it is very Nitro-esque I know Tony Khan's a big WCW mark so it doesn't really surprise me there but like you said, I think the biggest surprise, of anything, was uh, in the press release. And I guess you could refer to the poster as well. Like, they said the show would be headlined by Andrade, Thunder Rosa, Miro, uh, Powerhouse, Hobbs, and Samoa Joe was in the write-up. Like, there was a press release that had them as, like, the headliners mm-hmm. of the show. Um, I mean, based on that, like you said, it seems like either, like, ex E guys or guys have had issues or women that have had Pretty much anyone that's had issues seemingly would be on this show, which I don't think that's the problem. I think if anything, like you said, the I don't know if it's like the stigma or it's like, it's, it seems like it might be like an show, so it's kind of weird in that front, but I mean looking at the post, I like most of the people on there. I mean, like I do away with Orange Cassidy on the show. You can stay on Dynamite if it was up to me, but I think it's interesting. I think like you said the time spot or it's obviously not ideal. I mean Saturday at 8 o'clock, I mean like people have a, most people like that's like their time to go out or once like football starts kicking up, like that obviously be a big time for like college football on Saturday nights, live we'll shows Saturday nights, other sporting events. So it is kind of an in kind of a shitty time slot, just to put it bluntly, but depending on how it goes, like you said, I think the first show will definitely do a big number, but so did rampage, so I guess we'll see. I don't want more titles. There's already a thousand of them as there is. Um, but I guess we'll
1: see what happens. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of looking at the roster right now. You mentioned er 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 earlier, before we hit record here, and I completely agree, a motley crew of competitors, as far as people that seemingly had issues in AEW, weren't overly happy, complained. It's already begun. It's already begun, Mr. Marceau. I mean, Andrade tweeted yesterday. (laughs) He goes, I don't know if it's part of the... I mean, I, I put nothing past him at this point, but he goes... I didn't even know, or he said something along the lines of, this is news to me, as far as being on the show, <laughs> it's already begun, uh, they either didn't inform him, or they did, and he's either just lying, or it's a part of the character, it's hard to tell him nowadays, but it really is funny, I mean, as far as, like you said, these headliners, Miro, Andrade, most of the people on this graphic have never been headliners in AEW, they're all very talented people, I think Miro's great, I think Andrade's great, Joe is awesome, I love Joe, they're all ex WWE people, like you said. But even more over than that, they've never been world—you know—not world champions in AW. But it's not like you have Adam Page on there, or Kenny Omega, or John Moxley, or Brian Danielson. Um, seemingly, I would assume they're probably going to want to keep all those people on Dynamite. They're going to want to keep the elite together, away from Punk, which we'll get to in a moment. Black Bull Combat Club, uh, you know, Moxley and Punk. I don't know—they if they don't get along, or what happened there a couple of months ago. But you'll probably stay put on Dynamite. So. It's just it's just super interesting uh, looking at this lineup. I had someone say to me yesterday, like, oh, Saturday nights are such a terrible time. And I said that, like you mentioned, like, you know, they're going to deal with a lot of not just preemptions with football and WWE pay-per-views, which I doubt they changed the time for that. But most people will probably watch the WWE pay-per-views, especially if they continue to be as good as they've been for the last six months under Triple H. Uh, say which will, Raw and Smackdown, the pay-per-views have largely delivered. I doubt AEW moves the time, but most people will probably watch the pay-per-views over Collision, depending on how important Collision is that night. But someone brought up to me, like, oh, that's such a terrible day and time. I mean, what do you really want out of them? I mean, there really is no other day that makes sense. You're not going to put it on a Sunday. That's when they have their pay-per-views. Monday is Raw. Wednesday's Dynamite. Friday is SmackDown. And even doing Rampage after SmackDown was always a dumb idea in the first place. Uh, Thursdays, I know Ring of Honor, but like, who gives a shit? But Tuesdays and Thursdays, primarily, beyond Ring of Honor, are the nights where you have a lot of sports, and they'd be preempted pretty much all the time. So Saturday was really the only option they had. It makes sense. Not to say that this was the reason the show was created, but a big thing behind the show, all the conversation surrounding the show for the last couple of months, has been revolving around CM Punk, who was noticeably absent from the graphic, from the upfronts, ...from the press release... ...until he wasn't... ...I mean actually he was in the press release... ...and they removed the name apparently... ...that was caught by someone... Um, ...Connor Casey of ComicBook.com... ...asked Warner or someone from the network... ...about Punk and they said... ...he will not be associated with this show... ...and obviously they're not going to say that he is... ...if he's not on the graphic that makes no sense... ...I still think there's a pretty good chance he will be... ...but the latest report and it just... this, this, ...this whole situation continues to get... ...messier and messier by the week... But the report indicated from PW Insider, among other sources, that the hold-up with Punk coming back to do this show and why he wasn't there yesterday was because he wants a Steel with him back in AEW, and apparently they either said yes initially and then said no or just said no in general, and that's why he has issues currently. They're back at odds for the time being. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, listen, I've... Gone back and forth as far as, I'm not in anyone's side here, I just kind of recognize the situation for what it is, and I think that a lot of people are to blame, pretty much everyone involved is to blame, but bringing back Ace Steel is nothing but a negative in my opinion. The guy just serves no real purpose, he, he, he's a liability for them, fucking biting someone is inexcusable, the fighting thing was one thing, biting someone is just beyond dumb. Um, he, he is not needed back. So before I go any further, Mr. Marceau, talk about the Punk situation, the update on him, and what role he plays in all of this, and your thoughts on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very bizarre. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I've am i never been the biggest punk guy. Coming from, like, what we've seen so far, I mean, it seems like he's, like, the biggest pain in the ass to work with. I mean, if he's going to come back and he gets mad, like, I feel like this whole time it's like, oh, like, you hear from the dirt sheets. Like I said, I don't know how credible they all are, but it's like, oh, yeah, punk's in good faith, like him and Tony Khan, yada, yada, yada. Then it's, like, the next day him posting on, like, Instagram or something, like, oh, fuck you and all this other shit, like, Then he calls us sir, and they're, like, back on the same page, and now we're getting this stuff with Ace Steel. It's like, I understand it's your friend, but, like, like you said, he's so irrelevant to the show. It's like, if that's really holding you up, I mean, that's a you problem, dude.
1: No, it's totally a punk problem. I mean, if Ace Steel is the hold-up here, that's ridiculous. I mean, if it was almost anything else, I'd be like, okay, depending on what it is, you know, maybe, whatever. If Ace Steel is part of the problem here, that's... The problem that 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 is a problem. I mean, come on, who who the fuck cares? I mean, apparently Impact reached out to him and wanted to bring him in, and he turned that down with the belief that he was either going back to WWE, where he served originally as an agent or a producer, or whatever, in NXT before they cut him a couple of years ago. And not think that was due to bad behavior, it was just due to the fact they had budget cuts and COVID and whatever. Triple H's people were being like, oh, you know, whatever. Didn't sound like he had a lot of issues backstage until the fight. But I mean, all it takes is one incident to really change the perception of a person. And that shit was just inexcusable. He's not CM Punk. I mean, if CM Punk bit someone, would he still be there? Probably, because he's CM Punk. But Ace Steel is not CM Punk. He's completely expendable and not necessary on the roster. Um, But like you said, this whole Punk situation has been one giant fucking mess. Do you expect him to still be on the show? Um, Do you think they'll still be announcing him at some point, or he'll just show up in seemingly Chicago? Are they even going to do the show in Chicago? We still don't know where that first show is going to be on June 17th.
2: (laughs) Reports true. I honestly have no idea. I feel like his. I don't know if it's his attitude or just like the way he is. It's like, it's like the weather. I feel like it changes every day. And He has a big draw, so I understand why he want to back. He has got hurt a lot lately. I mean, if the whole point of the show was to be based around him and he's not coming back, I mean, that seems like that would kind of be a, a no good deal there. But um, I think he. <laughs> I think he will, uh, if I was taking an educated guess, I'd say he will, I think just, it really comes down to how bad he wants to come back, I mean, obviously the whole stuff with him going to Impact WWE, like that's been drama too, so, I think he'll come back, I'd say it's like 60-40 him come back, I feel like there's a chance he might not, so, mm-hmm. we'll see, but I just like say, if the whole thing is the whole Steel thing, he's just, he's just a pain in the ass at that point.
1: Yeah, and they don't even need him back. I mean, again, coming from a punk guy, I want to see him back. I think he injects a lot into the product. I don't think they need him back by any means. Um, it is pretty embarrassing that they would have him set up to be at the upfronts and present and, you know, be a part of the announcement that he's going to be on the show, blah, blah, blah. And then this whole thing falls apart last minute. He's not there. It's not a good luck for AEW. Because apparently, I would assume TNT was under the, you know, assumption that Punk would be on the show. And now he might not be due to this whole thing. I mean, it's part of Punk's problem, obviously, like we said. Um, it, it, it's just not a good look. It's not a good look. Hopefully they can work it out. Maybe they still bring back that goof anyway, which I'm not in favor of at all. I mean, I don't work there. It just seems like that would not be. I mean, it, there's already enough animosity <clears throat> over bringing Punk back in the first place. I'm not saying you can justify it, but I could see why it makes sense because Punk's the star that he is, but compared to Ace Steel, Steel is not necessary. You don't need to bring in all of Punk's friends to one show for him to work with, just for him to be happy. It's so fucking dumb. And I left out, you know, the whole part where Punk responded on Instagram, he called out Brian Alvarez, that whole shit's a mess. I mean, that's not even, not that it's not relevant, but it's not really worth getting into. Um, This whole thing has just been Chaos, and again, it adds to the aura, I mean, uh, looking at the soul positive of this, it adds to the aura of will he be there, will he not be there, Um, a lot like when he first showed up a couple of years ago, and they built that entire first dance edition of Rampage around, will Punk be there, will he not be there, and obviously turned out to be an amazing moment. Um, is it really worth it? The the further along we go in this process, the answer is probably no, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, responding on Instagram stories, like, what, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, he's putting shit on his story, like, come on, dude. I'm not saying he has to stay quiet and eat shit, but I mean, he's, like, putting out videos and stuff, and he doesn't want people talking about him, even though, I mean, he's getting more people to talk about him by responding, so... Just by engaging, it just kind of only adding more fuel to the fire, and that's just the sort of person that he is. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, Maybe that's why you think that's why the announcement from Tony Khan last night was so underwhelming, because he announced an announcement for this week, last week, and the announcement ended up being, he goes, oh, it's a grand follow-up to one of the biggest announcements in AEW history. Okay, we found out Collision, and his big follow-up was, these are the six or so cities that we're going to be in for the next month and a half, or the next two months. But we're not going to announce next week until, we're not going to announce the first week until next week. That sounds so convoluted. I feel like the punk stuff had to deal with that, but that's my own speculation.
2: I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I think if, I think it'd be tough to say, oh yeah, the first show is going to be in the United Center or in Chicago if there is like legit heat or thought oh, that punk won't be there.
1: Yeah, they might move the show if punk is not going to be there. I, I, it sounds like if they can't work this out in the next six days. They might put the show somewhere else because you're not going to have the show in Chicago with people hoping and assuming he'll be there and then he's not there. I mean, it's not, you know, a lie on AEW's part to say, oh, he's going to be in, and then he's not. I mean, that's different. That's false advertising. They would just be hoping that he would be there and when he doesn't show up, that's not AEW's fault, but they might just want to avoid that altogether by not having it in Chicago at all. So we should have a better idea by next week. This whole situation has been so back and forth. I didn't think AEW, I didn't think Punk would be back in AEW at all, honestly. I thought they would just let him go at some point. They would work something out. And it sounds like he is on his way back. And honestly, looking at this roster, I would love to see him and Samoa Joe. I know that was the rumor last week. Um, him and Andrade would be nice. Him and all the WWE people, I guess. But Malachi Black, a rematch with MJF. Powerhouse Hobbs he has history with. Um, any of those people would be pretty cool. FTR working with them. Um, just one last quick Punk note. Did you see the report about him wanting to work? I mean, I guess the idea was that it would make sense for him to come back and feud with Jericho, which that's such a Jericho thing. Of course, Jericho wants to work with Punk now because it's he's the one that's everyone's talking about, and he can not leech off of it. But I mean, that does who gives a shit? I, I really have no interest in seeing Jericho and Punk for the upteenth time in twenty twenty three. Uh, He wants to work with Joe, and not to say they haven't worked together, they have They have a lot of history, but that's a fresher feud to me, that has more potential, more than a one-off, and get Joe back in a prominent position on the show, I'm over the JAS stuff anyway, that'd be terrible. Him working with Garcia and Guevara, get the fuck out of here. I would like to see Joe and Punk, I feel like if they went in that direction, that'd be a great first match to do in Chicago, on that first edition of Collision, assuming everything goes well.
2: Yeah, I'd rather see that than Jericho. Jericho's already sapping all the popularity of Adam Cole, so there's no need for him to go to Jericho, so I, I'd rather see him Joe, anyways.
1: I agree. Moving on to WWE, uh, specifically from Raw on Monday. I mean, before we even get to Raw, it was announced on SmackDown about a week ago at this point. Two major matches announced for Night of Champions. We already knew that Brock and Cody were having a rematch, a fight, as Brock called it last week. Um, no stipulation added to that yet, by the way. Brock will be on Raw next week going face-to-face with Cody. I'm hoping this is the end of the feud, because it feels like Cody's doing a majority of the talking, and his promo on Monday was really good. But, without an explanation as to why Brock attacked Cody from Brock himself, this feud just doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a storyline standpoint, and why should people care? Um, I think the feud's got to end at the next pay-per-view, in in my opinion. But we already knew that was happening. We found out last week on SmackDown two major matches. We'll start with the first one. The finals of the World Heavyweight Championship. uh, That'll commence, that'll culminate at the show. Inaugural World Heavyweight Champion crowned between Raw's Seth Rollins, which we discussed last week, and SmackDown's AJ Styles. Now, we both thought it would be Edge. Uh, I think, actually, before we even recorded last week... You know, I, don't, I, didn't, I honestly wouldn't have minded almost anyone advancing from SmackDown. Even, you know, Rey Mysterio, Theory, whatever. A majority of those people I would not have minded to see in the finals. Bobby Lashley. AJ's a great pick. But even after, honestly, after we finished recording last week was when Edge came out with that promo on Twitter. And then at that point, I was like, I was convinced. Edge is winning. Maybe he goes to Raw. Maybe he even wins the championship and goes to Raw. And then Cody goes to SmackDown. You pitched that idea last week. I love that idea. That could still happen here as well. Uh, I know we'll preview the pay-per-view next week, but A.J. Rollins in the finals, that sounds awesome. Uh, your thoughts on A.J. being in the finals alongside Rollins to crown this inaugural World Heavyweight Champion? Yeah, I mean, I was
2: honestly I, Not that I had any issues with A.J. winning. I guess I was just more surprised. I think I thought Edge was going to win. I, like I said, we kind of what I predicted last week, you trade Edge as Raw, and you get Cody back. It seems like it's going to be A.J. I, I think either guy can win. I think I would still pick Seth, but I like AJ, and I came and Seth will have a great match, so I, I just, yeah, I'm gonna go, I still think Seth will win, but I think AJ was a nice little swerve, and maybe he'll get, like, one final run, I'm not really quite sure, but I I, I liked
1: it. I was gonna say, do you think there's any value in, in putting the belt on AJ, and, I mean, for me personally, I think there is, I'm not saying AJ should win, I really don't have an I mean, I I would like to see both guys win, but that's not possible, so either one is fine with me, because Rollins has not had a meaningful world title run in over four years, and just about four years, and Styles hasn't held a world championship since he lost to DeBryan almost five years ago, in late 2018. That's a long fucking time. For a guy that can still go, that's a long time. Uh, And Rollins is still a perennial main eventer, but Styles has kind of dipped Not in popularity necessarily, but like in his positioning on the card, he's been doing the tag team stuff, the mid-card stuff, nothing. He's been hurt. Um, Putting him back in the main event scene, if only for one night, is great. I honestly, I know like you said, you're pulling for Rollins, but I wouldn't complain about AJ winning, going over to Raw. You could still get Cody on SmackDown. All of OC, by the way, not just Styles. Breaking up the OC would be completely pointless. That was the whole reason why Gallows and Anderson were off the show for as long as they were, was because they were waiting for AJ to come back, so you can't break them up already. Um, but AJ, like you said, one more run as world champion. Hey, listen, him and Gunther, him and, uh, Rollins uh, in order to rematch, him and, uh, various other people from Raw, Matt Riddle, among other people. I can't say I would complain. I feel like that'd be pretty cool.
2: No, I agree. Yeah. I, th- I, I still pull for Seth. I think Seth I don't think he deserves it more, but like, he's so fucking hot right now. I feel like it'd be a mistake not to put it on him. Um,
1: but like I so said, I think they could still get a good, good run out of AJ as well. Yeah, I think AJ would be cool, but I mean, like you said, SmackDown has a few more heels, oddly enough, than Raw does. And I wanted LA Knight and Karrion Cross on on Raw, but the fact they're on SmackDown gives people like AJ, <clears throat> Bobby, and Edge people to work with, Rey Mysterio, so they can work with those people. Austin Theory's another heel on that show. Grayson Waller, uh, among other people, solo now. So if AJ stays put on SmackDown... He can work with someone like an LA Knight or go for the United States Championship against Theory and if he loses at the pay-per-view. If Rollins loses, I think we've talked about this, what do you even do with him? You know, we've talked about it before, like him and Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. That's a world title program to me. I mean, beyond that, there's really not much more for him to do, and he's already held the Intercontinental Championship a couple of times anyway. So I'd rather just see him win the championship. He can work with anyone and everyone from Raw. Mapping this out, kind of just looking ahead here, I think it'd be pretty cool if you had Rollins win the championship. Not that this happens right away, but Gunter's the one to take the championship from him ultimately, whether it be at SummerSlam or a little bit later down the line. And then you could do Gunter and Brock at WrestleMania. I I just feel like that's the natural progression of the route that you can take. Anything can happen. I'm not even saying this has to happen, but I just feel like that's a pretty likely scenario looking ahead.
2: Yeah, it really depends on how long. I feel like Gunter's going to hold Intercontinental, I mean... I've seen reports of people like, oh, he get a shock Ali win at United no, Champions. I'm kind of really against that. I mean, no thank you. I think Guthier should beat him with one chop and we move on. But who knows? I just feel like it all really depends on for him. I mean, I think he's ready for that spot, it, like you said. But I just think it just depends on when he drops the IC belt. So I think that's a good progression, though. I think he beating Seth and him and, him and Brock would be good.
1: Um but like I said, it really depends on who's beating him for the IC title, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's really more a matter of who from the Raw roster is going to be the one to do it. It will not be Mustafa Ali. Uh, let's talk about that. This isn't the other major match I had in mind for Knight of Champions, but we'll get to that momentarily. But on the subject of Gunther, we found out on Raw this week uh, we had an Intercontinental Championship number one contenders battle royal. Mustafa Ali winning, earning the shot at Knight of Champions against Gunther. I was not a fan of this just because Ali has been a fucking no one for so long now. He's a very talented guy. And even the positive Ali gimmick, I don't don't even completely hate it. He's making the most of it. It's been somewhat entertaining. It's just odd to me because he wasn't even drafted. Um, He's still technically a free agent, and they don't explain anything. They they haven't even explained that if a SmackDown superstar wins the World Heavyweight Championship, that they go to Raw. They haven't even said that yet. That's our implication, but they haven't said that. They didn't say a trade would take place or anything. They also have not explained if Ali wins the championship, does he get signed to Raw? Like, does he take the title to free agency? That just doesn't make any sense. Um, There were a lot of good choices in that battle royal. It's pretty clear that they're saving Riddle and Gunther for down the road, which is fine by me, because that was actually my first ever exposure to Riddle and Gunther, Walter at the time, was a match they had against each other six years ago at a Progress show in New York City. So to see them run it back would be pretty sweet. Um... You know, you had Moss in the Battle Royal. Who gives a shit? Johnny Gargano was just another guy. I feel like Gargano and Gunther would be pretty cool, but you really, I would say you need to build up Gargano. But fucking Ali won this Battle Royal, so it doesn't even really matter. Um, any additional thoughts in the match? Because I feel like it could be good if it's actually competitive. I just feel like this is a match. It's a waste of a pay per view match for Gunther, who never really defends his championship on pay per view. He's had like two or three matches on pay per view in the in the, almost the year that he's been champion. Ali isn't really a threat, I don't want to see him win the championship, I feel like that'd be silly, I don't think that would make people automatically care about more Ali more, he just kind of feels like damage, goods at this point, as far as the role that he's positioned in, this might be a one-off and that's it for him on the Raw roster. Um, again, it could be a good match, but I feel like there were other stronger possibilities you could have gone with in that match that would have made a little bit more sense than Ali.
2: No, I agree, I think it's more of just because he is some type of Middle Eastern descent, they're going to Saudi Arabia... I honestly think that's really the only reason he's in the spot. Like you said, I think he picked up a win. Who did he beat recently? Otis, I think, right? Yeah, he
1: only has two wins under his belt recently. So he beat you know, Otis? Otis.
2: He won this matter Well, like I said I think it's fine for yeah. like the location. Like I said, if it's just because he's like like I said, he's Middle Eastern, just has some kind of heritage, or he is that kind of descent. Like okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense, I guess. But he shouldn't be beating Gunther. I mean, I like I think it's a fine match, but like. I think there's other guys, like you said, should be in that spot over him. Um, but they really haven't really highlighted any of them. So, I mean, I guess. I mean, if he just beat him, I'm fine with it. But, like, so I think there should be more progression for, like, an actual feud.
1: He's not even a babyface. Like, it would be one thing if he was an underdog babyface. And I know that's the whole gimmick, is that he's over the top positive. But up until recently, he was acting as if he was a heel. So, I mean, it's a heel versus heel match. And I'm not even saying I'm completely against that because I would have loved to have seen Bronson reading Gunther for the championship. Gunther I mean, Bronson Reed hasn't lost one-on-one by pinfall yet, so I mean, they probably want to protect him. Neither has Gunther, I guess. But he also just lost the United States championship match. You probably don't want to put him in another title match so soon. Um, it's it's just that Ali's a heel. This kind of comes out of nowhere. He beat Chad Gable, and then he beat Otis, and that was it. It's not like he's, other, he's beaten other people in the Raw roster lately. Um, he got squashed by... I'm pretty sure he got squashed by Rollins like right before Mania, and he also got beat by Bobby Lashley in probably 30 seconds, and not after WrestleMania. So this is what I'm saying: it just doesn't make all. It feels very abrupt and very random. Uh, maybe it turns into a really fun match. I guess we'll find out. The major match I was referring to earlier for the undisputed WWE tag team titles was Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn actually working the Saudi show, which surprised me, and I think it's because the relationship between Saudi Arabia and uh, the people of Syria, I believe, and, and Sammy, I believe, is of Syrian descent, have a better working relationship now, or they're opening, opening up talks again. I, I can't say exactly what it was, but there was a reason reported that sounded pretty legit. And now Sammy is open to working the show, and Kevin Owens would never really work the show out of solidarity for Sammy. And now, since Sammy's working it, Owens can as well. So that's why they're on the show, apparently. Um, they're defending against Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, as we found out on SmackDown last week. Roman kind of uh, went off on the Uso, said they weren't holding up their end of the bargain. They uh, dedicated their loss to the to, to Roman Reigns a couple of weeks ago at the draft, and they ended up losing, and he wasn't happy about that. So he's going to show them what it takes to bring the gold back to the bloodline by doing the job himself. Um, I just there, there are positives and negatives here. I won't speak too much on it because I've already spoken so much about it in the last week. I don't like the match just because... Owens and Zayn, it's time for them to move on. Roman really should be defending his championship on the thousandth day of his championship run. That's pretty fucking dumb to me. It feels like a waste of a match. To do this on TV is one thing. To do it on pay-per-view, I don't really like. Roman's not getting pinned, nor should he. Solo getting pinned in a tag team match, I guess. Um, I'm just not a real big fan of it. So, I I hope Owens and Zayn win. There's real no reason for them not to. I, could Roman, people saying, oh, Roman's obviously not going to win, I mean, listen, it's fucking WWE, they can do whatever they want, I would never put it past them uh, I'm just not a big fan of it but it, it does have me intrigued as far as where they go with it, so, what are your two cents Mr. Marcel? I mean Roman four belts, lol, I can't wait just kidding, <laughs> I mean,
2: I think this is more just a the set up, the, I'm assuming like you said, everyone's like Roman's not going to win, I mean, there's anything's possible with this company, especially with Roman at this point but, I think they go for the title. Something happens to the Usos. They cost them the win. We finally get the split from them. Hopefully. Um, I still do think... It is... Do- I mean, Roman should be defending the belt. I know you're... You always go back to show us about the Cody. We do it every week. But yep. I think at this point, like... I don't know. Like you said, people are... Someone's like, well, no one's built up. Make someone built up. I mean...
1: Yeah, it's not an excuse. Should be
2: defending the belt? Like, how... It's not going to get to the point that it's like he's going to hold the belt for so long, but he's never defending it. So it's going to get to the point that no one's like, people just remember he had the belt for a long time and he never defended the belt at the end of it. So I like what, if it gets a split of them and the Usos, good. But then like, people are like, oh, then we're going to get the Usos and them at SummerSlam. Like, no, Roman's got to defend the fucking belt. Like, and like you said, I've seen people comment like, well, if he's not going to lose it, why defend? That's the stupidest thing ever. That's like saying, like, when Brock was champion, why would he defend the belt if you know he's not going to lose? Like that's just dumb. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, like I think you mentioned this before we recorded, which I I agree with. If they were going to do this at Backlash, fine. But now they're going to get another month of Roman not defending the belt. I just, I just think it's dumb. I also just don't think at this point he's ever losing it. Like I already have the thread ready for like twenty twenty seven when he retains at like WrestleMania forty four, like all about Roman again, but. I don't know, I just feel like at this point he's just... I just don't know, like, we've had so many people that like were like the perfect... If you put them on like a general, like, oh, this is a perfect situation, perfect timing, they're going to win it, and they never won it. So at this point, I just... I really don't know who's going to beat Roman. I'm just... At this point, I'm just hoping this kind of like starts a legit break between him and the Usos, and we can get more progression. I mean, we're starting to get there, but, I mean... And this leads to them, like, versus the Usos at like... Money in the Bank or SummerSlam, I just think it's stupid. Unless he's defending the belt against one of them. If it's just them in a tag team match, it's just stupid.
1: No, it's dumb. I think it's dumb. Well, that's the whole thing. We we talk about it every single week. I feel like this is a very bloodline-dominated podcast every single week, but I was mapping it out the other day on Hashtag. Do we get Roman and Solo versus The Usos? Which is intriguing, but again, I mean... That's another tag team match and another another pay-per-view where Roman isn't defending. Uh, I also, I said this yesterday as well, I like Roman versus Jay. We've talked about that for a long time now. I like that a lot. Jay's not winning the championship, I don't think. I know we're big Jay people, specifically you. I don't think Jay's winning the championship. Uh, you can put the title on the line. I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those people, oh, if, if, it's, if it's you know so predictable, why would he defend the championship? That's fucking dumb. First of all, you make these people out to look like a threat, first of all. Second of all, Anything can happen at any time. Even Ali, like, we're talking about Ali, like, oh, well, if Gunther's not going to lose it, then why would he even defend it? I think Gunther's breaking the, I think he's breaking the record at this point, but that's like saying if he can't break, if if we all know he's breaking the record in September, why would he defend the championship? That's the dumbest logic I've ever heard. That's why you make people out to be a threat, and you also have to remember in WWE, they do pretty, they do dumb stuff all the time. Um, it's just a fact. I mean, they make a lot of... Weird booking decisions where people lose before they're supposed to, like Cody at WrestleMania. To say that I, I'm obligated to say it at least once a week. Oh, so
2: got I get it at least once a week.
1: Exactly. It used to be that Ginger Mahal was the worst WWE champion in the last 15 years. Now it's that Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, uh, should have won at WrestleMania. But I digress. I just I don't know. I the USO stuff is interesting. I assume they factor into the finish. They cost him the win. Owens and Zayn retain. I I just feel like you're missing an opportunity here, and I don't think they're doing Roman and Cody at SummerSlam. I I thought that'd be the case, and maybe it still could be. I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, the, the further along we go, I feel like that's not happening until at least WrestleMania next year. I know you you're convinced that's not happening at all, which is also very valid as well. Um, I just
2: feel like the way the story's progressing, it's just not where we're going. I think
1: I think it is with Cody, but not with Roman. it
2: though. out, which I'm not a fucking I'm not Christopher Columbus here, but if I'm using logic on what they're doing. I feel like it has to come down to eventually, like, okay, they're going to do the Usos thing because they're going to split up. And then I think eventually, if I, like I said, I'm no Christopher Columbus here, but I think we would eventually get the Usos then trying to, like, basically persuade their brother that, hey, he's fucking using you. And eventually we get Solo and Roman. And I think Solo's taking the belt off Roman. Mm-hmm. I know that's not popular, but if you look at the progression, I feel like that's where we're going to get to. Like, they're going to beat up the Usos, Uso's going to lose, then eventually like Roman's going to just keep using Solo to help him win, and then they're eventually going to get in his head like, hey, Roman's using you because he knows he can't win without you, then Solo finally is turns on Roman, or Roman turns on Solo, or vice versa, and hes I think he's going to be the one to beat Roman, honestly. I know that's not popular, and people don't like that, but I think at this point where it's going, that's where it's headed.
1: I mean, like it or not, that does sound like a very valid direction that they can go in. Because, be, like, like you said, looking at what we've seen so far and where it seems like they might be headed, and we don't know, that seems like that's a very likely scenario. That being said, though, I look over at Raw, I look at Cody Rhodes, and based on what I've seen from him since WrestleMania, that would also lead me to believe that that's the logical direction to go in, with him finishing the story, quote-unquote, and beating Roman for the championship. He has made it very clear in interviews and even on TV, he wants that undisputed championship. Now, I know he was in a qualifier for the World Heavyweight Championship. That is silly. Uh, If that's not the title he wants, why would he even be in it? But, I mean, you're not going to... Two things. You're not going to have him not be in it. I mean, he just beat Brock at Backlash. There's no way that he's not in the tournament. That's dumb. And then also, if you have him just come out and say, no, I don't want to be in this because I want to face Roman, that makes that championship look less than. It already is less than, but you don't need these people out there saying that, which Roman Reigns already did last week on SmackDown. You don't need to be doing that shit. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. It's just one of those things where I, I think with Cody, it seems like they're headed in that direction. I just don't know if it's at SummerSlam. After Cody beats Brock or wins the feud with Brock or whatever the fuck, does he go after Rollins for the championship? I mean... We might honestly get a SummerSlam main event. I don't know what you do with Roman specifically on that show. But honestly, dude, it sounds like we might get Rollins and Cody at SummerSlam. And then Cody loses. Um, Because Rollins lost to him at all three pay-per-views last year. You can play off of that and Rollins gets his win back. Do you think that's a possibility? I mean, that's fine. But I I, I still want to see Cody be the one to beat Roman. I just feel like, I know you're saying it's not happening at all. I just think at this point, if it was to happen, it's not happening at SummerSlam. It's just more likely for WrestleMania.
2: I guess my point would be that if he lost to Rollins, then how would he even get back to Roman, I guess? Which yeah, I
1: don't, he, I don't know. Yeah.
2: I honestly think there's a better chance that he faces, I mean, I do not want this at all, but I feel like there's a better chance he faces fucking Brock at SummerSlam than, than Rollins at this point. I mean, I don't want that to happen. I you mean, there's like little rumors it's going to, like, that's, like, no thank you. Like, I don't need another couple of months of this, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a, maybe a Cody won again and, like, Brock costs some money in the bank. I mean, I honestly have no idea. But, like, I'm kind of over the whole... I mean...
1: I'm I'm, over it, too.
2: I'm kind of over at this point. I just feel like with Brock specifically, like you said earlier, like, Cody basically is holding it. The whole feud, I mean, he beat Brock. I mean, I really don't know why we're getting more of it, but okay. If he wins here, it's like... I just don't need to see it again. I I don't know. I'm kind of over the whole Brock thing. I like Brock, but... I don't know, I want Cody to be doing something like... Like, going for, like, the title or something that means something. Like, yeah, Brock's a big deal, but I'm kind of over Brock, honestly.
1: No, every feud has its expiration day. This feud hasn't gone on for six months, but the problem is that with Brock, you can only do so much in a rivalry. He's not out there doing 20-minute promos. And the problem is, we did see him doing longer promos as a babyface. Now that he's back to being a heel, he's not really talking at all. He hasn't explained why the feud is happening... There's no real progression on that front. They're just doing a match at Night of Champions to keep Cody busy. That's really the only reason why they're doing it. And I'm fine I honestly am fine with the rematch, but I've said this before, if they keep it going beyond Night of Champions, then it's at the point where it's like, "All right, we're done here." It's the same thing with the Usos and Rollins or not uh, not Rollins, Owens and Zayn. I think that stuff with the, the bloodline and Owens and Zayn was one of the best stories that they've ever told, um especially in the last 10 or so years. But again, every feud has its expiration date. Its its expiration date was at WrestleMania. You know what? Some, maybe not all food, but some food and some drinks, you know, it expires on a certain date. You could still have it a couple weeks afterwards. So we get the backlash match. We get the we get the match of the draft. Okay, it's still good. We're a month, six weeks out for Mania. The, the food, the drink, it expired, and it tastes fucking sour, and I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to toss the shit out and move on to something new here for so everyone the, involved. So,
2: with the Usos thing, I think anything past this, I would agree with you. I think with Roman, if this is like Roman and Solo, this is like the official break, and we move on from there, fine. If we get anything more, okay, I agree with you on that. I feel like it makes sense, like, this would be the break, like I said, if we get any more of, like, Zayn and Owens versus the bloodline, okay, then I'm like, okay, move the fuck on. I think this is kind of like the last, like you said, the expiration date, and this is, like, the- this match basically should be, like, it expired, and then, like, you have, like, the two or three days after to eat it. Anything after, the fucking bread's molded over at that
1: point. <laughs> yeah, Like, I
2: think this needs to happen, like, the story was there, like, the Usos, da-da-da, they cost them, then we move on, and like you said anything else, like, come on, I mean, I'm the biggest bloodline fan, but you gotta move this shit going on, like, this is the last, like I said, this is the two or three days after, after that, we're just fucking eating moldy bread at that point.
1: I'll merge my thoughts with yours. I think I would have been more fine with the match and why I'm like, I'm not that I don't care about it, I'm just kind of sour on it, and why I have shit on it. I Like you said earlier, I think the match should have happened at Backlash, because I think in retrospect, that six man made no fucking sense. I think they honestly should have just done Solo versus Riddle on that show. I know you have to get Owens, and you don't, you don't, honestly, you don't even have to, Roman Reigns wasn't even on that show, so Owens and Zayn do not have to be there if there's no stakes. This match should have happened at Backlash. I, I think wasting it on dragging it out even further, because there's only so much you could do with Riddle, or I'm, I'm sorry, Rollins, why am I saying everyone about the people involved? Owens and Zayn versus Jimmy and Jay, and so, like, we've seen this shit so many times. Like, I'm so ready to move on here. And
2: it wasn't even, like, a Backlash, we really, like, they won, so we're like, There wasn't really anything... Like, if they lost, okay. But they won, so, like... They were, like... Yeah, we had, like, the little tease of Solo and Jay, but that realistically hasn't gone anywhere. And then Roman was just, like, pissed. It's like... Realistically, they should have pointed, like, yeah, we might have lost the rematch, but guess what? We won the fucking match at Backlash, so...
1: I mean... Yeah, no, I mean, the Bloodline won at Backlash, but... I don't know. I just feel like this match that we're getting should have happened to Backlash to free up Roman for something on his thousandth day... As champion. But we're getting this instead. I'm looking forward to it, like I said. I'm not saying it's a completely terrible idea. I just think it's fucking dumb. The timing just doesn't work out. I mean, this this company is all about shoving down our throats. Oh, 800 days, 887 days, 950 days. And on the thousandth day as champion, he won't defend. That just... That makes literally no sense that makes absolutely no sense and they know that too they're not stupid they know it falls in the thousandth day i thought that's why they booked it for that weekend honestly in retrospect i have no idea why they're running a show next weekend i know they like to fuck with AEW. I get that but it really should have been next weekend the weekend of uh june 2nd 3rd 4th (laughs) because this whole night of champion show it it looks good on paper but it feels rushed because it's so soon after backlash they could have saved this for next week and there's no real reason not to um, but real quickly on that kind of you know note, uh, we had one more match announced for United Champions. Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus. Uh, Becky came back on Monday cutting a promo on Trish much better than Trish's promo last week. This feud hasn't lit the world on fire. It's just kind of inconsistent because Trish is act, out here acting like it's a joke. Um, with the whole dummy head thing. And I like Trish a lot. I just think her mic work lately has not been great at all. Becky really proved, all right, I'm the better of the mic, I'm the mic of the two, and I'm going to kind of have to carry this feud. So I like that a lot, and we're getting the match of champions.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I like Trish, too. I feel like, you said, her promo work has been less than good. (laughs) I don't even know how to say it, like being nice, but just hasn't been good, realistically. Yep. Um, I think another thing, too, which is like, I don't know if, like, maybe we, we just thought it. I think everyone thought, like, the progression would be, like, Trish and Lita. Then we'd get her and Becky. So, I kind like, of, they kind of skipped the Lita thing. I don't think we're getting that at this point. And I, I guess we're getting it at Night of Champions. I, I think I'd rather see it at SummerSlam. But maybe we get something here. I don't know. Something happens in Money in the Bank. We get the match again at SummerSlam. I mean, it makes sense to do it at SummerSlam. I, I thought that's kind of where we were going. I thought we'd get Lita and Trish at Night of Champions. And then it, something would happen leading into leading the SummerSlam, i feel like that's more what i mean it's marquee i mean i guess we could still get that depending on what happens but maybe that's why i just feel like it hasn't really clicked that often and becky has been gone the last couple weeks she's clearly better on the mic and i feel like gets more people intrigued than than i like trish but i mean what what have they really done to get people anyone that's new to really like trish besides the fact that she's a legend in quotations her mic skills has been eh I mean, she she's not hasn't really let the world on fire, so I kind of understand why it's just sitting there. But I think we're it's going to be last, obviously, last longer than just Night of Champions.
1: Yeah, I was bummed that they took Lita out of the equation. I think if she was going to be back to have a match with Trish, it would have happened already. Um, that's kind of lazy to me, just to have her get attacked backstage and she doesn't come back or you know retaliation. That's pretty stupid. It's not like she got hit by a car or something. Like they just she got attacked backstage. Okay, she just disappears after that. That's very dumb. Uh, I'm, fu- I'm honestly fond of them doing the match on the show, because I think we've said this before, either they do the first match at SummerSlam, which you couldn't wait, I mean, that, they would have had to wait, like, three months to do the first match, it's not until August, I don't I mean, think... I
2: mean, I guess do- you could have Lita, like, maybe cost for the match at Night the Champions, then we get her and Trish at Money in the
1: Bank, and leads to... Yeah, and then you can go back to Trish and Becky at SummerSlam or something, yeah, yeah, I think that's possible, I mean, that's, a, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing exactly, but that's definitely a possibility, um... As long as either they have the first match at SummerSlam, which they're not, or they culminate the feud at SummerSlam. I just don't like when SummerSlam's like a a transitional show and they have like the second match and a feud on that shit. I I hate that shit. So just blow it off there. Uh, Maybe Trish wins the first one and Becky ends up winning at SummerSlam or they're both in Money in the Bank or whatever the case might be. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Hopefully the feud can heat up more than it already has and Becky goes over in the end to kind of send the message that, you know, the future is now and it's not about the past and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And that was really about it. Ronda Rousey also came back on Raw to fucking crickets. I mean, it's so funny (laughs) how much her stock has fallen. And uh, I don't know. I'm not even like one of those perennial haters of Ronda Rousey. Oh, she's terrible. She never belonged. She was never good. That's not true at all, actually. Um, She had a really good run the first time around. This second run since last year, since she came back, has been a giant mess from the... Coming back as a babyface, weirdly... The heel turn that I thought would help did not. Um, she hasn't really had a lot of good matches. She got hurt. One at WrestleMania, comes back six weeks later. They're going after the tag titles that no one really cares about. Uh, yeah, she came in. and She slipped when she attacked Raquel on Monday. Just it's just a meme after meme with her. The promos aren't good. Uh, Shayna doesn't feel important whatsoever. Uh, I, I'm just kind of uh, I'm kind of out on that whole thing personally.
2: Yeah, I mean. The whole, I mean, the fact that they went to WrestleMania, we haven't seen them since, didn't really make much sense. But, like you said, she's cooled off so much. And, I mean, it's not even like it's like they booked her well. It's not even like she's been booked well. I think it's just more self-inflicted. Like, she's not really likable. Shayna's just kind of been there. Like, she's kind of more Ronda stooge than just, like, an equal. And she's not even, like, a lesser than. I feel like it's, like, Ronda than her, like, on the pecking order. So, I don't know. I saw it. I'm like, whatever, not a big Ronda fan to begin with, but I just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess she wants to win tag gold. It means really nothing, but
1: yeah. yeah. I, I don't really think it's a WWE problem. Like you said, I feel like it's more of a Ronda Rousey issue. I think she's regressed since she came back to the ring. She's been back for a long time now, so it's not like, oh, ring rush. No, she's been back for over a year now, about a year and a half now. Uh, the promos have not been good. The matches, she really hasn't had a lot of overly memorable matches. I actually like the Charlotte one that we were there for at Backlash last year. It was much better than the Mania match, that's for sure. Um, and then she had a match with Raquel on SmackDown, I think at the end of 2022. Beyond that, she re- I mean, the Shotzi match that we were there for was fucking abysmal. I mean, Shotzi is also to blame for that as well, but that match was terrible. Um, she had a lot of matches on TV that just weren't good. I, I don't know, man. It's just, I think it's a Ronda issue at this point, where she's just not really worth the hype, and then she gets drafted like fourth round on the draft. like like she's a complete afterthought, which she basically is at this point. She like you said, wants to do the tag team thing. The live feud wasn't really that good. Live suffered from that. It's just I just don't really care at this point. I mean, it makes sense to either give them the titles or have them challenge for it. That makes sense. But beyond this tag team thing, I don't really know what more you could do with her. I mean, the idea of Becky and Ronda at this point, I, I've said before, like it doesn't mean as much as it once did. But I'm still looking forward to it. I don't care. I, I at this point, I am, I have joined you and the vast majority in not giving a shit. So I don't think we would even get that match at this point. We might, we might, because they're on the same show now. But who could even? It's, it's far from an attraction. Maybe, a, maybe it's a mid-card match on Raw. But that's really about it. Um, more on that next week, though. Like I said, we'll preview and predict Night of Champions, Battleground, Double or Nothing. A lot of preview and predictions coming up on the show. Next week, new episodes every single Wednesday or rather Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean. They can uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Have an awesome one, Mr. Marcel. I'll catch your ass next Thursday, brother.
2: What's you doing, man.